This is the Blitzman Podcast, Glockwork Radio. We go way, way, way beyond what's my people stay in the building. I'm so fired up because I'm not fired up. Seriously. This your man, Blitzman Press. Catch me on Twitter. Don't do Instagram. Let me change that. I'm going to start doing Instagram. Shout out to my main man, Kill. Beats by Kill all throughout the show. Also, to my shout out to AJ, where you at? Stadium Barbershop, my main man, Fox. Executive producer of the show. All right. So the beauty of the Blitzman podcast is I try to at least make sense of some of what we see on television and and just rationalize it in a way that incorporates what's going on in today's society. And that's how I always say like sports and politics always marries. It always is always interconnected in some unique way. Because whether we like it or not, think about it like this, man. If you think about how the Rockefellers and all these other, you know, J.P. Morgan and all these guys, if you think about how they just monopolized the industry and they just took control of it and they just owned it. And then they, over time, you know, they started to divest or reinvest and just became bigger and bigger. But So if you think about the black athlete and the value it holds to what athletics mean in this country and what is expected of them. So, because we are pushing the envelope of the athlete as we speak right in front of everybody's eyes and the athlete is taking a stance and this is this is not about me being an athlete, this is about me being a human being. That's why these movements are so important. That's why everything that's being done is not about me. The athlete. I know you love me as the athlete. I mean, I'm, you know, you know Bubba Wallace. I mean, he's at NASCAR. Like he's seen the Confederate flag, and like he, you know, and he fought for the right thing. Like I don't even get the whole Confederate flag thing. I get the whole American flag thing. Like that's it's just as bad. I, like. I would have more respect for white people if they had the American flag and they acted the exact same way because their premise is the exact same thing. Like, the whole Confederate flag thing is actually senseless. Like, they freaking lost the war. Why are you idolizing and memorializing people who don't represent anything that America stood for? Unless the American flag is just a, is just a new version of the Confederate flag. And, you know, so how can you love them both? You love both flags? So it's just, that's that whole concept of the flag thing is idiotic. It's all ridiculous. You know, you're not even supposed to be idolizing flags and, and shit like that anyway. Everybody knows better. All these God-fearing people know they're not supposed to be idolizing flags. All these Christians. So, so our point, what's happening now in the world of sports is that the black athlete is making people look past them as athletes. As human beings, because guess what? My sister, who isn't an athlete, is threatened. So the point I'm just trying to make is, from a bigger perspective, that the athlete, the black athlete now, collectively, is pushing past the envelope of just being an athlete. Is deep, is digging into the core of humanity. And it's really making people take a stance. Where are you on this one? Because eventually, 
everybody got to pick a side. I keep telling everybody this. You can't straddle the line on racism. You just cannot, just cannot do it. It's one of those black or white things. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those black or white, white things. And, you know, for us to believe this whole NASCAR story and how it was blown under the rug, like, think about this for a second, right? Bubba Wallace. NASCAR phenom, young cat. I didn't. I, <clears throat> I don't follow that NASCAR. So, but I, I've, I've heard. I've heard the name. I'm gonna be real. Keep it a hundred with anybody. I didn't know the boy was black. As ignorance on my my part, I, I I consider myself a diehard sports fan. I didn't even know the brother was black. But Wallace, I'm thinking like damn. But Wallace is third ass white boy. He got the Confederate flag down. No, but I'm being serious. So when I found out that he was a black boy, I said, oh, okay. So, you know, some people say, like, coincidence just take a lot of planning. Like, like I think the boy Malcolm Nance always say that, you know, coincidence takes a lot of planning. It, it's, it's just a coincidence that the dude who just fought to have the Confederate flag pulled off or away from all NASCAR events, Right? And you just had someone fly a banner over a NASCAR event, like a uh, you know, like an airplane joint promoting the Confederate flag. Still, you know, because of airspace, or whatever. But you can't have it at no, no, no. You can't have it in the parking lot of any of these you know tailgating NASCAR events, which is great. And NASCAR should be doing this. Like, that's how you build and grow the base. You make people pay attention to you. I mean, why would anyone want to go to a NASCAR event if you got people who are pretty much saluting the Klan? Like, why would make any race feel good, good about that? I mean, not just black people, anybody. Asians, Jews, Mexican brothers, Latinos. I'm so, like, why would anyone feel comfortable being a part of that? You just shut the door on so many people when you represent something so heinous. Like, why would you even want to be a part? So NASCAR should have been off that. Like, how can we grow the sport based off this? And that's why they've been stuck in the same spot. Like, that's why NASCAR, they, they they can't determine if they can go right or left or, uh, I mean, excuse me, up or down because <clears throat> they never could expand the base due to the fact that it was considered a racist organization and they finally said you know what we need to change alright so just so happens he has a noose or some rope tied up in his garage now like I said like coincidences takes a ton of planning so you know Wallace like listen man I don't know what's going on here man you know he tells NASCAR like what's up so NASCAR like ah oh, this is crazy then they say you know we're we going to stand by Bubba. This is a crime. This is up. And we're going to have the FBI come in and investigate. All right. So, sounds like NASCAR is doing all the right things. The the NASCAR community, they did the, 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 uh, the lap. That was beautiful. I mean, really, that's what athletes are pushing for. This is what I'm saying. You're just pushing for humanity. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a man, yo. It comes a time where I'm pretty sure that like white people are starting to have some some reflection on this. 
I think that's why so many people like, you know what? Like Bubba's a good dude. Like I know him. Like he, he he's a, a good man. Or so and so who runs the pits, a good man. And you see them with their families, and you see them, and you see them, and you and you build relationships with people, and you realize that that's all bullshit. And even the most racist person can kind of like come around over time and say, you know what, this is going too far. But what do you know what I'm saying? So, so, but they know like once you go to this point is that you give up the privilege that, that you already had. Now the privilege don't mean you give up all your money. But the privilege just also knows that, hey, we're all in this thing together and and there needs to be a reckoning where black people, specifically black people in this country, black people, descendants from slaves, should be awarded some type of reparations. Now, white people got to be okay with that. Because if you understand everything that's been going on, and we see, it wouldn't be a problem if you guys change the records, but the records, the data is already there, and that's the data that y'all gotta see. We don't even know what the real numbers are. It's probably much worse. So my, my point in all this is that NASCAR is trying to do the right thing. They are trying to change the image. They are trying to grow their base, and they can do it with a young star who might be able to, to to reach people that we could never reach before but we gotta move on so they get the FBI involved and this FBI so let's talk about the FBI for a second because you understand who we got at, 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 at like the top and believe me he is small minded enough to concentrate on things like this as a way to talk to his people. The one thing you want to do in all of this is kind of like normalize hate. That's what you want to do. Because there's no way that the FBI could have investigated this in less than a day and come out and say, hey, this is not a hate a hate crime, mainly because this rope has been there for a year. Okay. Why didn't nobody uh, uh, report it for an entire year? It's, it's, it looks like a noose. Like, the picture's out. It looks like a noose, right? So, alright. So, out of something, I've heard some record, I don't know, I'm about to throw a wild number out here, but I've heard almost over 1,100 garages. Alright? It's like 1,100, you know, 50, whatever, whatever. I think the, the accurate number is on ESPN. And, and just so happens, the guy that spoke against and pulled down the Confederate flag, just so happens that in all these garages, this garage, he gets assigned to and has a noose. And no one reported the noose until he, until he actually saw it. Like, wouldn't that look like a noose to anyone else? Like, if, if a white dude saw that, like, they probably joked about it. Like, yo, 
we're going to put Bubba in the news. We're going to see if he get a good kick out of that. Like, nah, man, that shit ain't funny. You mean to tell me NASCAR and the people, if that thing was there for eight months that no one didn't know it was a noose, everybody thought it was just a rope? Some rope? Come on, man. Stop playing games. And y'all not going to call it a hate crime? And, you, and then you solve it in like six hours, right? So this same FBI that has been flipped upside down, right? Because the person at the top is firing everybody, right? This DOJ that has been the most corrupt DOJ of all time is really going to take hate crime seriously where they won't even consider hate militias a domestic terrorist. These are the same people who who actually says both sides, but with the bulls, but like the tiki torches and says blood and soil. So why would anyone think that this DOJ and this FBI that is controlled by this White House is going to go into a, a, a national sporting event and say a noose is a sign of a hate of a hate crime? Why would they go in there and admit that? No, they want you to get normalized. Get used to this shit, bro. Now, how about that? That's not hate. The real hate is when militias come out. That's the real hate. You don't want to see that. Just deal with this shit. It's all cool. It's nothing to see here. That's what they're saying. It's nothing to see here. Just forget about it. The FBI said it's not a, it's not a problem. So I guess everything is fine. That sounds, if you look at it, it, when you see the picture, it sounds ridiculous. It was a ridiculous story from the beginning. That's why it's important for people like LeBron James. Like, yo, this is not cool. And NASCAR should come out and be like, we're not done. Because if it was there for eight months, why just so happened? Does Bubba get it literally the week after he got the Confederate flag pulled down? If they knew it was there for eight months. Like I said, coincidence, it takes a lot of planning, you know. I mean, I mean, I'm not because the FBI said it's a good, it's not a hate crime, it's just some rope, whatever, whatever. You got all these people out here trying to vindicate, oh, everything's not a race thing. Like, first of all, man, like what? Why can't you just have some empathy for the people who are going through shit like that? Maybe that was just a false alarm, but maybe it really wasn't. And maybe you're like, yo, that's messed up. No, whether it was rope rope or not, I understand how how, how, like you feel about that. Like, where's the, like, it's like, no, you see, there's no racism. Like, what are you talking about, B? Whether it's racism, like, they, like, I'm not going to get into the whole Dr. Cody Anderson thing, but listen to his speech on, on, on how racism started. But let's just think about this racism thing real quick, right? And I, this is, I'm not on no anti-white shit, but you have to just look at, at things in, in just context in terms of the atrocities that they have inflicted on people throughout the world. All in the belief of race and superiority or enslaving people or dropping nuclear bombs on people or people or 
terrorizing people at like the border. Look at the history of the people that keep making these same decisions. You got to look in the mirror and, and just own it and say, listen, this shit is not cool. It's okay to be to say, let's change. We've benefited enough from it. It's okay to say that. This is not no white bashing show. I'm not into that. Let's just be honest here in terms of the level. I mean, the concept of slavery is all about developing a status of race. Of one being superior to that's the whole concept of slavery. The idea that like you would drop a nuclear bomb on a country and dest- and I mean the only time ever was dropped. There's no diplomacy in that conscious decision. Think about the Native American. These are the same kind of people that's trying to make these decisions. That's not everybody, but these are the same kind of people. And they use sports as props to normalize it, to make everybody feel as though it's okay. But now, sports has an opportunity, or the athlete, it's particularly the black athlete, has an opportunity to find out Who's really in it? Because America loves sports. It's that's the whole thing. America loves sports. They love it the same way, you know, like you love family. Like they love sports almost more than like you love religion. It's very rare when someone says they don't do any type of sporting activity. They don't run, they don't play tennis. They don't jog, they don't dance, they don't, like, it's just, it's such a cultural thing, and the leaders of it are mostly African Americans or people of color. Now, there are some outstanding, outstanding white athletes, Caucasian athletes, outstanding, some of the greatest of all time have laced them up, but but the numbers right now still states that the black athlete preeminent force in the sports entertainment industry maybe in the in the entire entertainment industry so if you love sports the way you do and you love the black athlete the way you do then where do you stand on the humanity of that person of that sport, of these people, of these entertainers. How much are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice your belief of supremacy for something that you truly love? That's something that's that's just a part of our culture. Are you willing to, like, this is, like, real, if you want to know something, like, sports is real American culture. Like, if you want to know something about sports on the real, if you want to get into what, what's really American you know what I'm saying? What's, what's the most American shit that we got going on? Real rap is sports. Because when it's all said and done, when it's really all said and done, the best players is on the field. There ain't no favoritism 
It's a little politics. I take that out of there. It's some politics in there. But real rap, Jordan is on the court. LeBron's on the court. Curry's on the court. Brady on the field. Favre on the field. Rodgers on the field. Zeke on the field. Zarina, she on the court. Like, when it's all said and done, the best players on the field. So if you want to talk about what's really American culture and what's the epitome of what American is all, uh, America is all about, then look no further than sports, than athletics. And if we own a piece of that, if we completely own a piece of that, then you own a piece of American culture. That's what the black athlete needs to understand right now. Own that fucking piece of culture right now. Take it right now. Because if you don't take it right now, they will never respect you as a man. We will never get get the respect. We will never give respect as human beings. Because what you're doing is you are testing their belief of democracy. You are testing their belief of what America is all about. And And they need to ask themselves, are you willing to live without me? Are you willing to live without basketball? Are you willing to live without tennis? Are you willing to live without soccer? Are you willing to live without sports? Or are you willing to live without black people playing sports? Just go full apartheid then. Fuck it. Don't dilly-dally with this shit. Just go full apartheid. Let, let us the fuck know. Let us know right now. Let us know right fucking now. Let the athletes be like, let us know right fucking now. Let us know where we stand right fucking now. That's what, that's, what, that's what needs to happen. They need to have a real convention right now. Every black athlete get on a Zoom, lawyers, attorneys, attorney, scholars, and have like a, like a one-day convention and say, listen, this is our moment. This is our moment, right, right, right now. We got the worst representation of a man of what we've been fighting against for 400 years sitting at the top of the table. And we, and we, and this dude is showing the world just how bad it can be. Just how heinous you can be. He's been the representation of America for 400 years. This is the type of guy that we've been dealing with. These kind of people. And you know you don't like these kind of people. Even white people don't like these kind of people. Asian people don't like these kind of people. Latinos. Black people know we don't like these kind of people. So push the envelope on this thing. This is our moment right here, right now. Either these owners, these corporations, these networks, are gonna push and fund opportunity, whether it's through philanthropy, and definitely through legislation, that's what I'm talking about, the reparations. And how we disseminate that 
depends on a lot of different factors. We can put a lot of caveats in that. But the money's going to get out to the people. If they can whip up $6 trillion in two weeks for big, for big corporations who've been making billions of dollars for years and all of a sudden within two within within two months they claim that they broke they don't save money either corporations don't they don't save money it sounds ridiculous my bigger point is this this is this is the time where the black athlete contests what America is all about that's why they should take sports off the table. Where do you stand on this shit? And how are we going to change it right now? Before we dribble a ball, before we catch a pass, before we run a race, seriously, how y'all going to make your money? How is ESPN going to make his money how is Fox Sports going to make its money? How is Sports Illustrated? Or how are the gambling sites going to make their bread? We'll just go to Europe. The whole damn NBA just decided to go to Europe. It's safer. It's a better environment. They're giving us a piece of the league. It's funded by Saudi money. We're building brand new stadiums. And we're going to go to Europe for, you know, eight months out of the year. And live in Barcelona and Nice. And, you know, Switzerland and shit like that. And build the Euro League. We're getting the fuck out of here. Then what happened? I mean, it can happen, right? It can happen, right? So you know what's going to happen? ESPN is going to do a deal with the Euro League. You know what's going to happen? Nike's going to be promoting sneakers in, in Italy and Barcelona. You know what's going to happen? We're going to be watching games at, like, you know... Three in the morning, or like you know, five a.m. Wherever the time shifts are, don't you see what the power is, man? If you love sports, if, if if we say we love sports the way we do, then put it on the table. Put humanity on the table right now. Let us know where we stand. And that's what's special right now about the black athlete. That's why sports should be pulled off the table. Or at least heart really consider it. They need to really consider this. And more importantly, just more important, it's getting worse out here, man. I don't know. I don't know if it's even even right for you. I don't even know if it's the smart thing for anybody to play. It's getting worse out here. I'm hearing that, you know, the NBA's plan for the entry is still being, you know, negotiated. I think it was agreed upon, but there's some holes in that thing that, that, that still has a few people, you know, a little uncomfortable. The fact that Florida is an outbreak, again, you know, in the, even the other spots that they were considering, like, you know, Arizona or considering spots like you know, Nevada, Las Vegas, like even those spots are hot. California, it's hot. I mean, young people are getting it 
I'm just saying, I don't even know if it's really smart to even do. You're still playing games indoors. You don't have have fans. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The fact that the NBA and all these sports leagues, as I said before, are willing to go on with the games without fans gives the players all the fucking power in the world. I I would literally say, yo... This is a special deal. We're doing a brand new deal just for this year. Because we generating all the money. You're not doing nothing. Like, what are you doing? Like, how are you making your money? Like, like we doing all the work. Not running your building. Your buildings is off, right? Even though, listen, I, I don't got nothing to do with that other business. I mean, that's how they could. That's how they do Even the NFL. Like, how, like, how is it? I don't even know what the NFL is going to do. The NFL is exactly like, like nothing's going on. The NFL like is the epitome of America. Remember I told you that last week. They are the epitome of America. They're acting like nothing is going on. Peeping. Just peep like how they're acting. Like, okay, the biggest thing that came out of the talks yesterday was like, okay, the first like 10 roles are going to be used for advertising. Okay, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Awesome. So what are you going to do to protect the players? What type of, of, of equipment have you invested in? Are, are there options from an equipment standpoint? What type of sports science is telling you that this is the smart thing to do? What type of science is telling you that this is the smart? How are you going to house the players? Like, what, are you going to put them in a bubble? Are they going to travel? Like, the NFL is not telling you shit. It's July. July coming, you know, you have no idea what's going on. Like... And Bob Costas, I heard Bob Costas say this, I think, last night. He said, if you need to write a 113-page document on safety provisions, then maybe you shouldn't be having the games for baseball. Because baseball is coming back. You see how much sports means? Like, they want to normalize. They want to act like shit is not happening. And who best to normalize it? Than the most American thing that we possibly have is sports. What do you what does America always fall back on? The athlete. Who are these? The black athlete. Who's sacrificing themselves right now for the sake of the country? The black athlete. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like this is where the power, like, this is why you you force the element of humanity right now. I'm saying let's it's time to we should just focus on trying to get everything right, right this second. I mean, right this second. I mean, now is the time to do it. Like, what, what better time to pull this off? You got the worst representation, representation of a man. We've been telling you about these type of people. And they now that everybody get a chance to see, like, you know, people are like, oh my gosh. He's like, like, yeah. Yeah. This is the chance for, I think, every black athlete should think about what their role in this is. And it's better if they come from a collective mindset. That's what the conference is for. It could be secret. Like a secret call, and we're not making demands, but like, here's what we want before things start, before we start really playing again. 
You know, we want to immediately, you know, and we want control of the money, of the investment, of the reparations. I'm not saying the bike athlete, but the people that we're working with, the bankers, the invest, um, um, the hedge, hedge fund managers that we're going to bring in. You understand, there are black people all around the world that can help us solve these issues and manage massive amounts of wealth. It's about networking and pulling all that energy together through the power of the black athlete, through the culture of America. That's real capitalism. That's the purest form of it. And you see how the black athlete disconnects it all. And it can really happen. This could very well be the moment for the black athlete to push the envelope on humanity right now for the world to see. If you love sports in America the way you say you do, then now's the time to side with us. This is the Podcast, Gawkward Radio. We go way, way, way beyond what's my people stay in the building. This is the Bushman Podcast, Gawkward Radio. We go way, way, way beyond what's the smart people stay in the building. And coming up next, I got my main guy, Coach Drew, Bar Court Podcast, part of the Comedy World Sports Network family coming up. We gonna get in everything NBA. Bushman Podcast, Gawkward Radio. We go way, 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 way beyond the whistle. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. This is the Bushman Podcast, Gawkward Radio. We go way, way, way beyond what's smart people stay in the building. And I got my man. We bringing him back basketball wisdom. We bringing back basketball wisdom at his best. My man, Coach Drew. Drew, are you with me? I am with you, Malik. How you doing, man? How you doing? Good, I'm good. We haven't talked since the pandemic, since COVID-19 broke out crazy. So tell mm-hmm. me, let's get the most important stuff out of the way first. How are you doing? How is your family? How is your basketball team? Like, what What kind of, how are you adjusting to this new normal? All right, now, first off, the family's doing great, man. I've been, I've, I'm, actually, this time off away has been good for me. I've actually started training a little bit more. See, I've gotten a little bit better shape, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> it, it, it's been good. I, I like it. But the, the, as far as basketball goes, it's been crazy because we've been dying to just get some basketball going. As a matter of fact, um, uh, we, the first tournament we had was out in Utah. Utah just opened up and they had a little few things, just a few teams. Right. Nets on fire, as you can see. 
by the background behind me, you know what I'm saying? My girls went out there and we represented. As you can see, look at them. Some of them holding two medals. Two medals. You know why they holding two medals? Because that's how we did. We represented in the young age group, and even those young girls went up and played up, represented and won the championship in there too. So nice. It, nice. It, was, it was it was nice. It was nice to feel it was nice to feel basketball again. Right. But it gave me an idea of what they're probably gonna be doing in the bubble, you know? Everybody had to get, uh, everybody was getting uh, temperature checks before they came in, mask only, hand sanitizer. It was, it was crazy. Right. So, 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 like, what was the vibe in there? Like, was, was there, was there, was there a lot of parents in the building? Was it just, was it just, was it just coaches and team? Like, like, even from the AAU level, how was it? Yeah. It was a few, there was a few parents. It wasn't a lot because they had a, a it was a regulation of two parents to each or yeah two parents to each player okay and even with that a lot of people didn't show up it was it was a thursday it was a thursday event so it wasn't like too many people were there but it was um it, i think it was really good the vibe there that everybody was everybody had that feeling like man i'm just here to play ball right. i'm talking even the refs the refs were you know saying they were letting some calls go you know, they weren't arguing. They were just talking to it, it was like everybody just, you could tell. You could tell everybody just, it was like their first day off of good behavior. You know? okay. <laughs> All right, so let's get into some to see some NBA right off the yeah. top because, all right, so the word is out. Uh, it looks like we're going back in. The league is supposed to start as early as, I believe, uh, July 30th. That's when games yeah. are going to start. Teams are going to start. You know, flying out to Miami as early as next week on the seventh. Practice is going to start between the seventh and the ninth. So uh, we're going to play eight games. Each team is going to play a game. We got a twenty-two team uh, 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 a system going on. Uh, uh, each team is going to play eight, eight games. My first question to you is this, and this uh, we're going to have a dialogue about this. Should the NBA be playing? Like, is there a reason to bring the NBA back now? With so much going on, with five percent of the league that actually tested positive for COVID before we even get to Orlando, and Orlando being one of the most, being one of the hottest spots in the world, we're not even talking about just just in America. Per like per capita, I think Orlando is the hottest spot in the world right now. So yes. is the NBA doing the right thing by bringing the NBA to Orlando, and does this make sense to do it at this time right now? Uh, to be honest, I feel I feel uh, it, it is a good time to at least attempt it. Here, here goes my reasoning behind it. First off, um, with with uh, with basketball on a whole, if we are unable to do it within the bubble, if we're unable to uh, to get it back going in that format, it's going to be very hard for us to ever get it back going. Right? Uh, we need. I feel there's a little bit of closure everyone needs as, as basketball fans on a whole to the year. Because remember how January we started off with losing Kobe. We need a right. little bit closer to this year. Right. Just so, need right. close. See, you forget yeah. so much. It feels like Kobe has been has passed away for like five years. That's how it feels like it's been so long since Kobe passed away. Exactly. You forget that it, it just happened. Exactly. And it it's just like, happened. With everything that's taking place, it's kind of hard to sit back and say, like, okay, well, we're gonna it, just by putting on basketball, everybody's gonna forget. But we not we don't want them to forget. 
It's like uh, with the NBA and the NBPA, they get together saying that uh, you could now have your political statements on the back of your jerseys, make a statement there. So they're, they're, it's not going to be a, just a shut up and dribble type atmosphere over there. They're definitely going to be uh, the ones that's going to try and build things back as well as having a platform. And right now, let's be honest, nobody's jointly watching anything. You know, like we, some people may watch some shows, a couple of replays of Netflix shows, but nobody's jointly watching anything. If we could get everybody to sit down, or at least the majority of our country to sit down, take an NBA game, and they can hear the message that's being sent during that time of that game, I feel is is very valuable. It's kind of like wrapping up that kill in the bologna for your dog, you know? Well, okay, so, all right, so here's my here's my take on it. Okay, it's a couple things. One, all four sports are going to be playing around that time. Maybe if you yes. if you actually count soccer as a as a as a as a sport, so you're going to have the NBA, NFL, MLB, hockey, and soccer all planning to return in July. We got a saturated sport. So I don't know if the NBA. I, I understand the popularity. Don't get me caught up on the popularity. NBA is the only global iconic game that we actually have in the country. It resonates yeah. all throughout the world. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying that there's not going to be eyeballs on the NBA, but the fact that you have so many viewing options and touching sports is that, you know, people are going to have to choose between if they want to watch the NFL or the NBA or, or, or the NBA versus baseball, you know, or, or you know, that hockey fan versus football, whatever. So there's going to be a lot of competition if these if, if each and every league can pull it off. So I don't know if the messaging is going to be as strong as if, if they were just doing it by themselves. Number but, two, no, I'll let you keep on that. No, I mean, just, just to touch base on that. Even though every every other league is going to be out there and they're going to be just going to be trying to showcase something. The reason why that message is going to be stronger is because they're going to have two leagues pushing the same message. The WNBA and NBA, which both are uh, uh, set to start at the end of July. Right. So you have both leagues pushing the message. Now, let's let's be honest here. The message coming from the NFL, nobody wants to hear it. It's pretty much a message of Drew Brees repeating his feelings over and over again. That's what's coming from the NFL. And and to be honest, at this time, been, the NFL has been a little bit tone deaf to the situations that have been taking place. When you take a look at the ML, when you take a look at MLB and NHL, they're just dipping their toes into the situation. This is a, this is a situation where the NBA has and the WNBA has stood on the forefront for quite some time. You know, remember there is pictures of Kobe Bryant playing wearing an I can't breathe shirt. And months after he passed, we're still we're still walking and marching, speaking of that we can't breathe, you know? Right. This is something that the NBA and the WNBA, I feel is gonna be ahead of everybody else on. So even though those other leagues are playing, they're gonna be looking to the NBA and the WNBA as how to uh, present themselves to a new America, to a new normal. That's ill. I, I like how you put that because the, the way you're saying is that you're taking an integrative approach to actually, you got all these other leagues who really have trouble with identifying with 
people of color, African Americans in our plight, and you have these other two leagues that are that are directly connected based on the fact that you know they come from these communities. They feel as though once they take off the jersey, they're in the same type of danger. So you know what I'm saying. So I feel you on how you can integrate that message during the course of the games. However, and my second point is. Don't you think the message is stronger if they don't play? If they if they say, you know what, we are not going to play under the current circumstances because we have not seen enough movement of the needle through Congress. We have not seen, you know, uh, like our president take this seriously. We uh, we we are still witnessing aggressive behaviors. We have not address the idea of defunding the police or additional police reform. Like before we step on the court, we want to see some actual movement. We want to see the legislation move. And don't you think how, you know, I said this on my other podcast the other day was that, you know, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, like guys like that, guys who've been searching for that legacy moment. Guys who've been, you know, Damon Lillard, Anthony Davis, guys who've been searching for that major legacy moment. Now, you may not get that legacy moment in the sense of a ring, but if you want that legacy moment of never being forgotten and to taking a stand for something that you believe in, you know, this is the legacy moment for, you know, many of them for the players in the NBA. If they stand together now and say, we're not going to play, especially if they do it in unisex with like the women, if they stand in unisex now and say, hey, we're not going to play like under the current circumstances, one, it's a major health risk. Two, we don't think our voices are going to be necessarily heard the same way as we stand as a collective. If you, if, if you, if you, don't you think the message means more, especially internationally, if, if, if both parties stand together now and say, you know what, let's take a step back, let's make our point together in unisex and say, you know what, we're not going to play until we actually see some movement in it. We actually see some movement in, like in, like in, in the space of inequality for people of color. And to be truthful, if if we could foresee that, I definitely would be on that uh, angle. But here's the problem. Day one, reporters will talk about it. You will hear it from ESPN. You'll hear it from every pundit. You'll, even, you'll even hear it on our CWN Sports. We're going to talk about it. You're going to talk about it. Right. Everybody is in solidarity and it's not going to happen. That's day one. But come day 20, day 25, it's going to start to fade out. And there's going to be no more voice out of sight, out of mind. That is the one thing that this country has actually done successfully since its inception. As long as it's out of sight, it is out of mind. And I feel that if we don't have our voices out there, if we don't have a, if we don't have a microphone in a LeBron's face, if we don't have a microphone in a, 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 in a Chris Paul's face. This is this point in time. And speaking of that legacy moment, that moment in time where. You grab that mic and speak to the nation and tell them who we are, what we're here for, and what we're going to do. That they will no longer shut up and dribble. That we are going to be the ones to move the needle. Since then, because we've waited around for we've waited around for a while now for others to move the needle for us. We sat back. We said that okay, we will. 
you will step back. And trust me, you could, you could that, that would be an amazing thing. A stance of that nature of all the players to stand together and say, hey, you know what? We're not going to take the floor until the change is made. But that change, that that is taking power into saying, okay, well, you have to make the change, but we can make the change. Look at look what we've done so far. And that is just being in the public's eye, changes has been made. Think about it. When everything, when everything started of what was taking place, those four officers weren't arrested. We took to the streets, flood the streets. People were out, people were vocal. People like Steven Jackson was out there in everywhere. On every basketball show and non-basketball show, Steven Jackson spoke. And and in, in, in every single one of those situations, we made it, it made it abundantly clear of what was going on. And the thing that kept it going, truthfully, was everything that everybody was saying about the NBA's return kept Steven Jackson in the news. It kept it, it kept him going. He was like, okay, this is what else is going on in NBA, in NBA news. And that's and things of that nature got the needle moving. Those four officers were indicted. The, you know, these things, things like that, people stepping up and saying, hey, we're gonna keep talking. We're gonna be on your television every day. When you turn when you turn on ESPN and you watch Sports Center, they're gonna show highlights of exactly what we said. They're gonna show highlights of what we did. And it's gonna play over and over throughout the night. So if you don't watch that sports, let's say you watch NFL, when you go to turn on Sports Center for your NFL highlight, guess what? You're gonna hear about what Chris Paul said. You're gonna hear about what LeBron said when you're gonna go watch your uh, when you're gonna go watch your NHL NHL highlights. This is it is gonna be in your face. It's gonna be on your ticker. It's gonna be over there at all points and every time. We don't ever want it to be out of sight, out of mind. And I feel that if we take that chance and say we're not gonna step on the floor, it we lose a platform as well. Oh, you know. Okay, so. All right, so I'm thinking about it from a snowball's point of view on this, okay? Because once you get a group of athletes to say we're not going to play, then you might get, you might encourage the NFL Players Association to say, you know what, this isn't right, we're, we're not going to play. And you might get a couple, you might get Serena to say, you know what, I'm not going to play in the U.S. Open. And you might, before you know it, you might have a couple of Olympians because now, you know, the Olympics have been moved to 2021, you know what I'm saying, and two things going. So the point I'm trying to make is, and I'm glad I'm having this discussion with you because mm. we've all, the struggle has never stopped. You dig what I'm yeah. saying? But, I mean, I mean we, we can go back to 1968 when they had the, uh, when when we had been uh, when when, uh, when Bill Russell and, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Muhammad Ali we had and, and they had the uh, the uh, the uh, the, uh, the conference when they all when they had really debate with Jim Brown there the debate is like yo are we gonna keep doing this thing the one thing that, that, that the black athlete has always held is they're part of the deal in terms of playing games you know what I'm yeah. saying like so the struggle has been going on. We've been playing games and we haven't been making the progress. Now, my point to you is this. If the black athlete is pulled out of the games, right? Is that you if you pull the black athlete out of, like out of the games, now you say, All right, am I willing to watch a team of white boys play basketball? Am I willing to watch all white baseball? Am I willing to watch an all white Olympic team go out to represent this country? country 
Because if, if you love sports, if, if, if this country loves sports the way they say they do, then they also are going to support the efforts of like the, the people who actually play the, play, play the games. And that's just not about the people, that's about ESPN, that's about Fox News, I mean Fox Sports, that's about Nike, Reebok, that's about every single corporation. We've always held up our end of the deal and played. Now we're saying, you know what, we're cutting the money faucet off. The, the, uh, the money that you generate through, 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 like through the black athlete is over until we start seeing some, so I can see the out of sight, out of mind thing, but the message is so powerful that that starts to resonate from a global perspective when, when, when everybody says, you know what, the black athlete is really starting to take this, this thing seriously and, they're, and they're, not just, they're not just doing it from a perspective of, you know, trying to call the ruckus. What they're doing is they're impacting the bottom line. Let me give you one quick example. I know I'm rambling, but um, Facebook has been taking a ton of hits recently because all of the marketing dollars that they've been making, they've been marketing, you know, AT&T and Verizon and all these other com companies, Procter & Gamble products and things like that, to these racist groups. That, like, they got these little racist groups. Because if you want Facebook, you always get these marketing yeah. So, So... So all these companies, right? All these companies like Nike, Reebok, um, it's like, I think it's like 2,000, I think it's like 200 companies just came out recently. Listen, we are taking our advertising off of Facebook until they change their policy on promoting hate, on promoting hate groups. And we don't want our products marketed there. See, that's what they, they see, if you market your product on, on, on uh, Facebook, they got the, the autonomy to kind of like, Send that sit to send them to uh, like to, to uh, send that information wherever they want. You know what I mean? To send yeah. that information wherever they whatever they want. So they've been marketing products to hate groups. You know, you know, by Colgate. You know what I mean? Like you know, by Crest. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, you dig what I'm saying? But yeah, if you start pulling the money out now, Facebook is like, hold up, we got a problem here. The same thing here. If the black athlete pulls out of the sport. All the sports yeah. say, you know what? We really got a problem here. The black athlete is serious. We got to sit down at the table because the most American, the, the, the one thing in this country that, that really exemplifies what America is, is sports. It's, it's like it's sports. It's the, it's the epitome of the e equal playing field. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. So if, if you're going to take this one American thing that truly identifies with the country, if you if you want to take that piece out, you know, you know what I'm saying? Then you're gonna have the money follow that. The money, the money's gonna be pulled out of that too, and then everybody's gonna say, "Yo, hold up, we gotta take a bigger look at this thing, and we gotta change it fast because Nike's not making bread anymore, ESPN don't have any content anymore, everything starts shutting down." Like we've always held up our end of the deal. I think exactly. now it's time to let everybody know that hey. Y'all got to make some moves before we step on the field and step on these courts. Exactly, exactly. I, I, I 100% agree with that. And I feel that, and it's similar to the uh, argument that I was actually making regarding the um, regarding the HBCUs, you know? Because um, Mikey Williams was even talking about leaving, not going to a regular blue blood school. Right, you don't want to play the country. That's it, right? Yeah. 
Right. So, it, right, and, and a matter of fact, uh, um, there was a four-star recruit that ended up signing to um, to uh, HBCU. So, I I get what you're saying, but in order for it to work, in order for what you're saying to work, we have to remain in solidarity. We have True. to understand that True. all of us have to work together. It can't True. be it can't be most of us. It can't be some of us. Some of us. It gotta be all. Uh, right. Yeah. Exactly. You bring up 1968, and that's a great example because remember 1968, even though uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, which was at that time, decided not to play and decided to sit. Remember, there was other players who did. There was uh, um, uh, the one who came into the league early, who uh, Stacy Stacy um, Hayward. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 Hayward. right. It, there, there was other people who were willing to step up and play, and I could, I'm not. Not, not down to that at all. You know what I'm saying? Because I could understand the importance of making sure that you are, uh, that, you know, making sure that things are working for you and that you are that kind of athlete. But it is, um, it, it is something where in order for it to work, we have to be all together. Can't Everybody got to be all in. Exactly. You know, we got to be all in. You got to be all in. It, has, it, it can't be, it can't be, Venus and not Serena. You gotta be both. <laughs> right. Everybody right. got right. Venus can't sit out and Serena still yes. playing. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. Like, Venus can't be like, well, you know what? I'm gonna sit out because I got, I'm standing in solidarity with my sisters. And then Venus is out there like, nah, we good. <laughs> I need to put both of you closing line out here, all right? You know what I'm mean? like, saying? <laughs> you know what I'm mean? saying? All right. So we are, so let's just say, they don't follow my lead. <laughs> yeah. Let's say that that doesn't happen. Let's just say that won't just happen, man. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't reached everybody yet. So they got the plan. They're going uh, to Orlando. Um, basically, the NBA issued out, I believe, a hundred and nineteen-page report on what to do and what not, not, not to do if. You need 119 pages to explain what not to do. Maybe you should not do it. Now, Adam Silver has recently come out and said he's very confident in the plan that they have set forth. How confident are are you with everything that you've been reading regarding the bubble? Uh, well, what I've been reading regarding the bubble, first off, the 16 players that tested positive, um, from what I'm hearing, they show no symptoms, uh, no ailments. As a matter of fact, Spencer Dinwiddie has uh, stated that he hasn't, he hasn't shown any symptoms, even though he tested positive and he was taking uh, great precaution. Same thing with uh, Dwight Howard, who also tested positive. You know, there was no signs of there's no signs of any ailments or anything of that nature, or he's uh, shown any symptoms. So that is. That's, that's a positive right now because it was such a low number that for the ones that were already coming into the bubble. I I, I, um, I actually, that's an actually a positive sign for me because yeah. 16 out of 302, 302 that's, that's a very, that's a very small percentage. Right, it's five, now, it's five, five percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now, with, uh, now once you get into the bubble, this, this, that's where my concern lies once we're in the bubble. What is gonna be the amount? What's gonna be the percentage? What are the, what are the numbers that we're working with that we're gonna end up shutting down? 
it's like it, how how many people will be uh, infected before it's like all right cool we gotta shut it down altogether or is it just one particular player that you're holding up is like okay that person gets it it's a wrap you know <laughs> Right. If the like Superman just get coronavirus, it's a wrap. You know what I'm saying? Giannis, Corona, we shut everything down. Yeah, we shut this down. <laughs> we shut this down. I don't even want people talking no more. <laughs> right. If Superman can get it, then we gotta, we, we gotta get a bottom of this joint. And, and if we like, can get it, anybody can get it. If he gets it, we all gonna get it. We all gonna get it. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's my hope. That's my main concern, is that once it's into the bubble, that once it's in the bubble, we got to find out what's going to be the best possible solutions to keep everybody safe, and how we'll, how are we going to know that everybody's safe? Because right. 119 pages, and I'm reason, I can understand the reason why it's 119 pages. It's probably the same reason that you actually have to have a sign saying "Don't be the bears." Right. Because there's somebody that's going to over there. You know right. what I'm saying? So I can understand the purpose of the 119. Right. But, but my thing is, is somebody that so they all have to understand. Here's here's my thought process. You get once you're in the bubble, you have to understand that you jeopardizing the bubble or leaving the bubble for a reason of coming back in can actually destroy the whole thing. And that's the probably the reason the of our hundred pages. So just to detail that that listen, this is not about you. We're gonna mess up everybody's money everybody's money by doing it so you have to be diligent so I can see that but going forward we're still I'm still a little bit worried and what I mean by I'm worried is that I'm worried about what what are we going to look at what are we going to be seeing going into that uh, in, in those in those days what are I know what kind of basketball we're going to see because I've got a chance to watch the Chinese Basketball Association Okay. So we had some very good basketball on there. So I know everybody's hungry. Everybody's ready to play. So I'm okay. I, I'm like, all right, I definitely could understand. I'm going to be seeing some pretty decent basketball. Okay. But I cannot say for sure. Like, this is the thing that makes me nervous. I cannot say for sure if, if we're going to see playoff level basketball that we're used to seeing I mean, this time that early. I... I feel like I feel like they got eight games in. We're probably gonna go seven games before we see something of like super playoff hungry level basketball where you get a highlight reel out of it or you get a uh, you get one of the greatest games of all time out of it. I don't think that we're gonna actually we're gonna actually see that. So that's that's one of those things that you just you just gotta hope for the best, you know. Right. I mean, I'm with you there. I, I, that, that, that was you. You actually walked into my next next question because I'm trying to figure out. Guys haven't played into March since March. It's been literally three months since they've, anybody's been in the court. You've got multiple weeks since guys have been actually been, been able to get back into actually training again because the, you know the first two months it was like everybody staying in house, quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. Yep. It wasn't just recently into guys to actually start, you know, working themselves way back into the gym, working themselves back into shape because the word got out that they are going to try to push this thing through. 
And, you know, I just don't know what kind of basketball we're going to see because so much about basketball is just the camaraderie, understanding how players move. And that takes time. It takes figuring out. It takes a few weeks. So I'm thinking that the first eight games are going to feel like preseason basketball. You know what I'm saying? Even worse. Probably going to look like summer league. Summer league basketball. Exactly. 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 And then the if you can if you can muster first, second round playoffs, I think that's gonna look more like regular season. And I think the final four, like once we get to the semifinals, I think that's when you're gonna start everybody's gonna be like comfortable then. And then you might see some real playoff basketball with the added intensity of knowing that they're playing for a championship. You think exactly. So all right, but unlike any other year, they are playing in these cold settings, no fans. Um, I think the players will be able to watch the other players play. So, like you, like you, you know about this because you're an AAU guy. But uh-huh. how many times have you been playing on the court and it's like all the AAU teams is in the stands watching the ball and everybody like sitting back like watching, like okay, be nice, be nice. <laughs> like we got them next okay like everybody's gonna be doing their own scout report because you know yes. I, I, understand. I think players are allowed to attend games I think players are allowed to attend games if they are within the bubble like you know what I'm saying so I can yeah. I think their environment is just gonna be different because you're gonna see like how players interact with each other like when they are the fans like the players are gonna be the fans of these games and the truth, the truth is, this is going to be where coaching is going to be at the highest level. Mm. The, I go to AAU games, and you, as you can see behind me, we, we don't always, we don't show up with one coach. You know, as a matter of fact, in this picture here, a couple of the coaches weren't in this picture. So we show up with a good amount of coaches, and different coaches have different jobs. My job as one of the coaches is I scout every player that is playing in that gym. I'm watching everybody. I know who's who's daddy's with who. I know who's sitting where. <laughs> I know if they drank water in the third quarter and why. You know, right? That's what I do. So, at my level, at the level of these little kids here, I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, I'm watching everything. So I know for a fact. If I'm sitting in there with my coaching staff on an NBA level, I'm telling them, hey, we watch everything. We Your watch job, you watch guards, you watch folks, we watch everything. I want, I want when we look back at the tape, so people to know what's gonna happen before it happens on the tape. Like you see, you see this tendency, come watch for this before we rewind it. And that is the thing that we look for. So I think come playoff times once you know saying once everybody gets a feel of this information i think once they hit the playoffs once they hit uh they head into the championship and it's, it's, it's an actual dog fight eastern conference or western conference finals around there that's when i believe that all the coaching and scouting is going to come into play and it's not going to be easy for a lot of players who is having an easy all, all season you know right two and two and two okay Let's just get this one question. Do you think we would get to a finals? Do you think that's actually going to happen? No. No. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I, I think 
I, what I feel is that with everything on on one end going one direction and everything on another end going completely the other, I think it's gonna in a few weeks the bubble is gonna start, but it's gonna stop before we can get to a finals. That's what I believe. First, yeah, I'm 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 worried about it too because it's just not about the NBA and it's not about yeah. the bubble. It's really about the country. You dig what I'm yeah. saying? And it's really hard to normalize. Through, all right, so one of the things I'm talking about is normalization through sports. And what you're trying to do is make everybody feel comfortable that it's not that bad if I can come home and watch my game. It's not that bad yeah. if I can watch football. It's not that bad if, if I can watch my sports. So then what you're trying to do is try to normalize chaos. All right? Yeah. So... It's going to be really difficult if the numbers keep spiking up and up and up. And you just had Dr. Fauci say, hey, we could get to the end of the summer and we had 100,000 cases a day. 100,000. We're, we're currently right around 40. So you got all this chaos going around the country and mm -hmm. you have... You know, you know how the you know how it's gonna get framed. You got multi-millionaire athletes and billionaires making money, and everybody's going through pain. Every the country is going through anguish. How can yeah. we honestly feel comfortable about everything that we're doing when when everybody else is going through some semblance of anguish? And then on top of that, if the bubble gets infected. If you if you if you take that five percent and somehow it becomes fifteen or, or like a twenty percent and twenty percent of the league is, is shut is shut is, you know is is infected then you know even if you have some guys from the G League at the end of the bench starting to fill in that's going to really bring down the level of player basketball and that's and it's going to yeah. it's going to taint the element of of a true champion you dig what I'm saying yeah. so. You got all these different factors in play, and I just I'm with you where I just think that you know I think it's going to be a it's an ambitious goal. I think it's something that the league must try just to give it like their old fighting chance. However, yeah, you know from a, a political stance, I wouldn't play. But if you're going to give, you got to give it a fighting chance. But mm -hmm. I'm with you, bro. I, I just feel that I just don't feel is that this, they're going to be able to pull this off and have a real champion by the end of October. No, I don't see it. I don't see it playing out that far. But I am willing to watch the games that are coming up <laughs> and I'm excited exactly. for those. Exactly. I will be taking those games because, you know, that might be the only basketball I have for the while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, if, 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 listen, I'm not, listen, if Fauci is right, the second wave hits in the sexy, we're currently still in our first wave. It's just that our numbers aren't going down. They are spiking up because, you know, the leadership of the top is just ridiculous. And, you know, the messaging coming out of the White House is just unbelievable and is, is dangerous. And people I feel like our country is the New York Knicks of the world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it feels like. It feels like no one is actually running the, uh, the country right Right, right now. Exactly like the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think you have all these different factors going into it. And, you know, I'm more, I'm worried. Not only am I worried about the bubble league now, but I'm also worried about the projection of playing a game in December. 
You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and because that's when the second wave is supposed to hit. The second wave is supposed to hit. And the last place they want you to be is indoors. So no games at indoor arenas and things like that. Now, so I'm a little eerie on all these, these things. So I'm, I'm with you on a lot of these points. Um, my next point is legacy. Yeah. Is this if LeBron or let's say, for example, Kawhi or Giannis or the Sixers, is this a legitimate championship? Would this champion be legitimate having asterisks? Like, like because you, we did have a three-month pause in the middle. Yeah. To be honest with you, it's going to be, um, put it like this. While we are still breathing and while our children are alive, we'll still have an asterisk forever. Right. After that, when their children look at it, they'll no longer be an asterisk. They'll just be considered the 2020 championship. Right. Because when we really look at it, it was a lot of things that's been taking place throughout, uh, throughout the years, throughout sports. And the 19, we don't even know what was going on during the 1945 basketball champion who won, or you know, saying what, what took place. These are the things that we have to look at. Like, yeah, basketball is going to always be there. And the asterisks are only for people that were alive during that time, you know? Right. And, and that's what our comparison said. The asterisks are mainly for the pundits of the... the, the, the it, it, it's, it's for people like us, you know? It's for people who are doing... It's for people who are doing the blitz, the people who are right. doing ballpark. And on ESPN and stuff, that's why we need the asterisks. So this way we can put those into categories. But to be truthful, when they come out the champion, and they come out of the champion, they're gonna be considered a champion. Think about this. Think about this. Remember when KD went to uh, uh to the Golden go State Warriors? They said that if they win, that would be an asshole. I mean, you know, it should be. It should be. It's like come that on. could be LeBron. You know what I mean? Exactly. It should be an asterisk. It should be an asterisk. KD. You know, he should have never went to a team that won 73 games. That's enough. Exactly. Exactly. That would be ridiculous. But, but look how many asterisks we're throwing out around now. So it's kind of like, in itself, in itself, the asterisk is going to have to have an asterisk. Say, okay, well, this asterisk was not really an asterisk. Right. 2020, here it goes an asterisk. You know what I'm saying? Right, here goes, here, this is a real asterisk year. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, exactly. So even with that still, with, with that being said, when we look at the top cards, they will say the 2020 champion was such and such. When we look at the when we look at the uh, 2K video games in 2021, they're gonna say the 2020 champion was such and such. It's always gonna happen. Nobody it is not gonna mean it's not gonna diminish it to any person except the media and us because we nitpick at things like that to find out who's the greatest. But when we really look at it, you can never, you can't determine what's the greatest in a sense of evolution. You know what I mean? Right. What was the greatest point of evolution? Like they do that, they try to do that with uh, Michael Jordan and LeBron. But you, this, this championship will be just as good as any other championship. And I feel in a way, in a way, it's going to be a little bit better. To you took three months off during the league. Everybody was beat up. You had a lot of stuff going on, and you still was able to fight through it. So 
I, I, I would give them all the props in the world. All right, all right. So we already know what's going on with the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. Word on the street, word on the street is that Kyrie is trying to talk to all the players on the team, and he wants the, the team to just forfeit, to, to forfeit. Like nobody goes. That's the word on the street. Kyrie is trying to get everybody to say, "Hey." This is our moment to stand in unison, you know, to stand together and say, you know what? We want to be a unified front here. If one person doesn't go, none of us go. And we already got players saying that they're not going to go from the Nets. Yeah. The messaging around Kyrie is that he's quirky. He, he like he's uh like like he doesn't like like he thinks too much out of the box. Some of the things that he said about the earth being flat, people made jokes of. But the one thing about Kyrie is that people don't don't discuss enough that he is very conscious. He is a very conscious black man in terms of what his face is in this moment in time. How do you feel as though Kyrie is being perceived now? And do you think it's possible that he can influence the team enough to pull back? from the 22 team tournament. Okay, uh, I, I definitely want to go ahead and touch base on this, you know, um, and, and as it is, I really got to get going because I have another meeting to head to, but yeah. I really want to jump in on touch base. First of all, I did what Kyrie is said, and I'm in, I'm in agreement, to be honest. The, the uh, Brooklyn Nets really don't have a chance at winning the championship. They don't have a chance that they don't even have a chance that you know causing somebody ruining somebody else's shoes. They're just going to fill out the teams. They're just that they're just that one AAU team that you went ahead and put in because you just needed a certain amount of teams to play. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't you know that they weren't taking a medal, they weren't taking you you even gave him a discount on the entry fee. Like, yeah, you know right. what? <laughs> like, come on, we need one more squad. Just come yeah, on. Let's squad. Don't, worry. Don't worry about the entry fee. We got this one. We got this one. <laughs> right, right. You ain't taking home no medals. It's good. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Right. And so that's how it is with the Brooklyn Nets right now. You gotta think about it. You got uh you got your center DeAndre Jordan, you know, testing positive for COVID. You have uh Spencer Dinwiddie, the starting guard out testing positive. Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant was positive three weeks ago. Exactly. And then you have uh, Tyson Chandler opting out because he just don't, you know, then he just don't want to be in the bubble. You you pretty much have six of your, you have you have six players from your team. That's the, the deciding factor if you move on. Think about it. At any point during the time, you said, at any point during the season, if you said Spencer Dinwiddie's not going to be playing, everybody would say, yeah, Brooklyn Nets don't have a chance to make the playoffs. DeAndre Jordan's not going to be playing. Now, I'm not talking just for the, not just for the bubble or just for the return. At any point during the season, right? if you said that these five players or these six players were not playing, everybody would be like, oh, yeah, they're done. Start rebuilding. Right. Start rebuilding. Chase Mello. <laughs> go, go chase Mello ball. <laughs> so you got now. And truthfully, that's all. So with what Kyrie's saying is, listen, as small as a gesture as it is, because everybody in basketball knows that we're not 
running for the championship. Right, we're not running. Division. We're not running. Right, we're not running at full capacity right now. Exactly. We don't. We're 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 a broken team, a tiny team, a smaller team. We're not going for the championship. We're not even going. We're not even trying to upset somebody's championship. Our jobs right now, what we can do with this season is we can save our season and hold our season up high. And the way we can do that is by everybody standing together and not going. And I'm talking make a joint, a joint, make a joint statement on everybody in having posted at the same time a joint statement, just hit everybody like boom. That message on a team level with the Nets would be 10 times more valuable than them actually showing up. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Smart people are fishing in the building. I got my main man, Coach Drew. Ball court, yo, Drew. Tell people where can they listen to the podcast? How can yeah. they catch you on on Twitter and, and, and Instagram? Yeah, on Instagram you can check me at you know Drew Coach Forty Three. You can at me at Let's Kick It. You can also at me at Let's Kick It Jules or at Ball Court World. Any one of those, I'm right there for you. I'm gonna be speaking to you. If you got Radio.com app, and if you don't got the app, I don't even know why you got a phone, but Get the radio.com app. Make sure that you put the favorites down. Put down Let's Kick It. Put down Ball Court. And of course, you got to put down my man, the Malik with the Blitz, killing it every single time. And I'm telling you, right there is going to be one of the few. That's one of the places you can get it. But if you don't want to go download the app, if you just like one of those type of people that say, hey, you know what? I like to do things in the browser. Go to cwnsports.com. Check us out on the browser. You can check out our profiles. Get to know Coach Drew. You know, you guys know the pretty face. Get to know us all, you know? And, and man, it's a pleasure. I love being on the show. I love, yo, love talking. Yo, man, we gotta do this again real, real soon. I, I, um, we got, I got some other stuff about the pop off. We about to work on that. Oh, as a matter of fact, me and JT, the sneaker guy, yes, from the show, let's kick it. We want to invite you to come on, and we gotta talk to you about some big business. Oh, we gonna, you know we gonna tear it up. We're going to tear you know it up. Come on. Indeed, smart people are right. in the building right here. Yes, sir. We're yes. going to make that happen next show. Indeed. And indeed. Hey, hey, Drew, man, your words and your wisdom is greatly appreciated. Thank you for joining the Bliss Man Podcast. Yo, man, thanks so much for all, like, all, all your love and your love and support. Be Thank safe. You. Stay healthy. And have your girls keep winning those Keep winning those trophies, man. Keep bringing those, keep keep those, bringing those medals. Keep bringing yeah. those medals. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Indeed. Much love. Indeed, Much love. Thank, thank you. Thank you again. What an amazing show this week. Me and Drew, we just lit it up. I want to give a special thanks to my main man, AJ Rice, Aries Stadium Barbershop, my main man, too. We did it. We did it. My main man, Fox. Executive producer of the show, All Beats Done by Kill. And I got two things to say. You better hustle hard or hustle your ass home. This is the Bliss Man Podcast, Glocker World Radio. We go way, 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 way beyond a whistle. See you next week.